When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're invited to I Am The Cute One, the most chaotic school dance in the podcast universe. Let's spike the punch, grind to Usher, and recap some of the cutest movies that made our millennial minds explode. Hello, I am Chelsea, and I am the cute one. And I am Donnie, and I am the cute one. And we are here today to cover Babysitter's Little Sister Club, Karen's Haircut. Mm. We sure are. Let's jump right in. I'm happy to be here. I've escaped San Diego. I went on my cousin's bachelorette trip, and I'm a dumbass that doesn't ever open my weather app. And oopsie doopsie, there was a hurricane that I definitely should have known about beforehand. So, you know, a quick 12-hour layover in Dallas, Texas, a nice red-eye home, and then an Uber ride from D.C. to Baltimore, and (laughs) here I am. Did you go to Dollywood when you were at your layover? Is that in Texas? I don't know, but I was in Texas, like, starting at midnight, so... Oh, it would have been closed, probably. We don't know. Yeah, I saw a lot of sleeping people in chairs. Oh, okay. Was Kristen Bell one of them? No, she had already been kicked out for lying at that point. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's jump in, shall we? Because I have lots to say this week. Me too. So this book came out in June of 1990. So just to paint the scene, I was turning one, the most important event of June of 1990. But also Total Recall was at the top of the box office. Hold On by Wilson Phillips was number one on the charts. And the official demolition of the Berlin Wall began. Wow. Mm -hmm. A little bit of everything. First, I thought you were telling me to hold on. Like you forgot to do this part of the outline. I needed to stall for the Patreon cuties when you said, hold on. But you were just naming stuff. It wouldn't be the first time. Let's just put it that way. If you do follow <laughs> along on patreon.com slash I am the cute one, you get a lot of behind the scenes tea, but mostly just me saying, oh, shit, hold on, Donnie, sing a song or say something crazy while I look this up. <laughs> I want to talk about this Babysitter's Little Sisters Club series. Still to this day, I have not read the Babysitter's Club books. My introduction to that world was through this series. So it's really Mm. funny because it is definitely like a, I guess it's not a multiverse. What do they call it in superhero movies where everybody exists in the same little universe? Yeah, It's really funny to see the Easter eggs of like, oh, these people live down the street and this person's older sister does this because those are all the Babysitter's Club members. But Pepe got me into these books. Did he read them? If he did, he certainly was throwing them into the ocean (laughs) one by one. But he got me like a subscription service. So (gasps) a new book came every month. I like remember the smell of it. I would get so excited. You would open up the book and then it would be like a book and something else. So it would be like a book Uh. and a pencil or like a book and some stickers. And they would always go with the theme of whatever Karen was going through. So I have Mm. like such vivid memories of this series but i remember i always fucking hated karen (laughs) did pepe have money pepe was like ballin was he in the mafia because i wanted to join a subscription service for books so bad but as you know from last week my family was poor um pepe (laughs) 
Well, Pepe had all of these like catchphrases that became like his lore. Just to put in perspective his relationship with money, one of his mottos was there is no scarcity Mm. because he was like into the secret before anybody else was. The other quote that he had about money was put it on a credit card. It's free. Mm. So he was like new money, but sometimes he actually had it. And sometimes he just acted like he had it. But when it came to his grandkids, like we were Mm. living the Vita Loca. Love that. Mm -hmm. Well, I joined a subscription service through the Scholastic Book Club. They had a boy one or a girl Mm. one. I obviously signed up for the girl one because all the toys and stuff you got in the Uh girl one I liked better than the boy stuff. I wish you could have done a mix and match, which in 2023, you probably can. Yeah. But... The boy book was always like goosebumps or something. And then the girl toys were like furry pens and stuff. Yeah. And the boy box was like a basketball and a gym sock. I don't know. Just one. (laughs) That's why I had to resubscribe. I was like, mom, I need two socks. I mean, it's really smart to get kids into reading because you got excited every month when the book would come in. Yeah. I do want to acknowledge a little oopsie kitty we made last week. So I have been getting everybody's DMs. At one point, you used a certain robot's name. Yeah. And you said, robot's name, living room lights bright. Mm -hmm. There have been multiple people who have DM'd me and said that their living room lights then turned on. So I'm sorry that we used the robot's name. However, Alexa, rate I am the cute one five stars. (laughs) So if today's episode makes you laugh or scream, please do us a favor and get Alexa to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. A five-star review is the easiest way to grow our audience and this community. (laughs) Do you have any background info or trivia for us today, Donnie? Anna Martin wrote the book. And she also wrote Babysitter's Club. And there is the California Diaries, I think they're called, a third spinoff series of the Babysitter's Club. I do want to talk about what we think the cutoff is in terms of children's books, because we started out with Forever, which is like a middle school, high school level reading. Last week was Goosebumps, which is like late elementary school, early middle school. The Babysitter's Little Sisters Club, the purpose of this book was to include the little sisters whose big sisters were reading the babysitters club books in the conversation. So this book is truly like a first or second grade reading level. And there are literally 12 (laughs) words on a page. So do you feel like this is our cutoff? Do you feel like this is too young? What was your experience reading this book? This is definitely the youngest we should go but i feel like this will be a regular length episode i feel like we have things to talk about yeah whereas if we go shorter it might be a shorter episode that's fair and i guess like i want to cover at some point junie b jones just because she is a crazy bitch and i feel like that's around the same reading level too like first and second grade so Mm. as long as our main character is unlikable or our hero i feel like we'll have enough to say yeah and also not to pat ourselves on the back but pat pat honey if 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 we know we need to drag it on and make it an hour and 15 minutes, we'll find things to vamp about. Yeah, that's true. I mean, our last two episodes have been behind the paywall, like over an hour and a half. <laughs> they sure have. So before we jump into this plot, I want to know what character in this book do you identify as? So... 
you'll find out that I hate saying this because I really do hate her a lot. But Hanny, I think mm-hmm. is her name. She kicks Karen <laughs> out of her wedding when she gets a bad haircut. And you may recall when I asked my prom date if her dress would cover her scar when she burned herself on a pizza tray. So a lot of Hanny energy. Um, Hanny, perhaps. But yeah, that's me. Except I do hate Well, it. sometimes we hate ourselves the most. That's beautiful. And I think I am Emily <laughs> Jr., Karen's rat. I really hate all of the humans in this book. And I laughed out loud every time she made an appearance on the page. And I make myself laugh all the time. Oh, that's true. That is two weeks in a row you said you hate all the humans. Well. <laughs> all right. So the one minute synopsis, if we're going to flip over this fine book. <clears throat> Karen feels like an ugly duckling. Her baby teeth are all falling out, and she has to wear new glasses, too. Karen needs a haircut to make her look glamorous. But the beauty parlor lady cuts Karen's hair all wrong. What will all the kids at school say? Nothing good. (laughs) So our book opens with seven-year-old Karen Brewer and her bestie, Nancy, playing lovely, lovely ladies. And while Nancy is clearly hoping for a nice afternoon of tea and calling each other lovely ladies, Karen takes this play date as an opportunity to bitch about her little brother, Andrew, scrutinize her appearance in the mirror, and force poor Nancy to compliment her glasses and rabbit teeth. (laughs) I have, like I said, hated Karen from day one. What are your thoughts on our protagonist i think she's annoying and self-absorbed but even more than that i think that she is the source of all of her problems in her (laughs) life like if she just played it cool we wouldn't have a book to talk about but like you're seven or whatever of course you don't have teeth what the (laughs) fuck like just relax try being 16 with braces and pink (laughs) hair then come talk to me karen Yeah, even this opening scene, like Nancy just wants to play lovely, lovely ladies, and she is doing everything you just said she's doing. Like, you're your own worst enemy, Karen. Yeah, and I actually preferred later on in the book when she just straight up starts saying, like, I'm ugly. Tell me I'm not ugly. Tell me you still like me, (laughs) even though I'm ugly. Because in the beginning pages, she was just fishing for compliments. You know, Nancy's like, I'm just trying to have tea with Teddy over here, bitch. (laughs) And I'm glad you brought up her teeth, because I do have a question about her teeth. She says on page three, these teeth used to be smaller, then they fell out. When the grown-up teeth came in, they were huge. They look like rabbit teeth. Is this the problem Maddie from Dance Moms had? Donnie. (laughs) What? She always had very large two front teeth. And now I'm thinking, like, I wonder if she got her adult teeth when she was still a child so her face didn't grow into it. Because she doesn't have those teeth now, so I don't know if they're purchased. Or if she just grew into her big teeth. I mean, I'm not somebody that should be weighing in on anybody's teeth and how they look. My gum to teeth (laughs) ratio is all sorts of fucked up. I'm just going to zoom past everything you just said. Well, then I need people to send me DMs telling me. Because I was really asking for scientific answers. I wasn't trying to judge this little girl. (laughs) Anyway, Mm -hmm. my question about the teeth Top or bottom, what were we working with? Were her two top teeth loose and then she had two rabbit teeth popping out of the bottom? It looks like in the photos, it looks like her two front teeth are missing. And they just didn't even want to make her ugly enough in the photos. So they didn't worry about drawing those rabbit teeth. Well, 
let me tell you, they did not worry at all about how ugly they were going to make her in the 90s when I read this book. Uh, Donnie, can you hold up the recent version? Yeah. That's a cute child. More or less. In the original, they really <laughs> leaned into how bad this haircut was. <laughs> Circling back really quick to Lovely Lovely Ladies, mm. it does seem like Lovely Lovely Ladies is just a game where they dress up and call each other Lovely Lovely Ladies over and over again. <laughs> Pretty straightforward. Did you have, and I don't know why I'm saying did you have, I'm sure you did, but what weird imagination games did you used to play as a child? So when I played Barbies, I made serial killers terrorize sorority uh-huh. parties. But when we didn't play Barbies we and we used our imagination, my sister and I would play a game. You'd spank each other? <laughs> no, that's my little sister. <laughs> my middle sister and I that are four years apart, we would play a game. It was like house, except we were brother and sister taking care of our younger siblings that were like baby dolls. Because our parents died in a blizzard. So then we were like living on the streets. We were homeless, trying to take care of these infants, even though we were like six and 10 years old. Then a rich, handsome man took us in. And like, I don't know if in our heads he was a child or if we were adults, but the man was always like the same age as us. There was like some kind of romance that could brew with this man that took us in um uh, wait then... no we're not gonna move past this was the romance between this man this gentleman savior and you him and your sister or just a threesome situation <laughs> Well, yeah, I think it was just a love interest. Uh, And, like, I think sometimes I slipped into, like, playing a woman, (laughs) except we didn't say that either. But there was, like, a love interest. Yeah, it was my sister's love interest. But I do think I was interested in him as well. But then his parents... Oh, no. (laughs) I don't need an act two of this game. His parents abused us. And and tried to assault us, so then we had to kill them and escape. Did you take the man with you? Um, sometimes we did. Sometimes he was complicit. Yeah, he had to go too. Like one time, we burnt the whole house down with all three of them in it. Was this game like a recurring dream? Oh, I forgot you don't really dream or have mm-hmm. nightmares or any of that. But... <gasps> I did have two nightmares last <gasps> night. Two. What were they about? One was a home invasion dream, and as I went to close the door, he popped his head in. That was terrifying. That's so scary. So scary. And then I like went back to bed for an hour and woke up. This one is a little bit more my brand. I was at some conference, and I forget who the celebrity was, but it was like a mom on a sitcom. It wasn't even anyone like Jennifer Aniston or anything. It was like the mom from... Home Improvement. She was Uh talking at a conference about feminism and then she pulled me out of the audience to answer and I was like stumbling over my words. I was so embarrassed. I think that I represent that mom from (laughs) Home Improvement. The podcast is really getting to you. I guess so. Yeah, but they're my two nightmares last night. Wow. Well, congratulations for having a nightmare. I'm really glad that you are a normal person that has nightmares from time to time. Back to this game, speaking of you not being a normal person, was this game like a recurring dream where yeah. you know where it's going, but it's like sometimes you burn the house down, sometimes you shove them in the basement? Like, was it always start to finish? You are taking care of the children, the man rescues you, you're abused, you kill them? Yes. 
Yes, they would abuse us in different ways and we would kill them in different ways. But it was always dead parents in a blizzard and there was always a handsome man that took us in. It was like an improv troupe. You're like, all right, audience, we're looking for any suggestions. How do we kill the parents? And they're like, with a knife. Now, once my family got a camcorder, then it was a wrap because then we would make movies like this. Wow. Yeah. Once we got a camcorder, it was just making music videos. There's Mm. one particularly like unhinged 10 hour VHS. It was during the Super Bowl. My cousins were over because all the grownups were watching the Super Bowl downstairs and we were making music videos in my room. But it starts out like everybody's involved. We're all doing choreographed dances. Then it's like slowly there's less and less people until finally like the last like six songs are clearly just me propping the camera up, resting on my dresser and like it's just me like I have alienated and isolated everybody I was clearly in like hyper focus and it was like hour six of making music videos I don't know why I never thought about making music videos two of my movies one was called the dog killer and then one was called the watcher which is exactly what it sounds like I'm afraid to ask the dog killer was the dog killing or were oh no someone was killing dogs in the neighborhood (sighs) Okay, cool. (laughs) I was a pet shop owner that had to protect my ground. Okay. Anyway. (laughs) Like what you're hearing? Head to patreon.com slash I am the cute one for more. There you can find uncut, unedited, and unhinged video and audio footage of current episodes. That's patreon.com slash I am the cute one. See you there. All right, well, back to this book. So besides feeling like an ugly duckling, Karen's parents are divorced. She (laughs) says, a long time ago, mommy and daddy decided they didn't want to be married anymore. Mommy married Seth. They live in a little house, which is the way they like things. Daddy married Elizabeth, who has four children. They live in a big house, a mansion. Daddy is a millionaire. (laughs) She truly wastes no time giving us intimate information about her family, Mm. like the fact that her rich-ass daddy is also the stepfather to four kids, including two (laughs) high schoolers, Christy, the president of the Babysitter's Club, and David Michael, another seven-year-old, plus Emily Michelle, a two-year-old from Vietnam, Uh who Karen loves so much she is named her rat after to her. And then I know you have things to say, but yeah. this really paints the picture of just how much information Karen gives us right off the bat. Like she is begging to be kidnapped. But then she launches into super specific custody arrangement details. <laughs> she lives with her mom and Seth, spending every other weekend and two weeks of summer with her dad. In short, she has two homes, the big house and the little house. I would be so fucking pissed if my main housing in the custody arrangement was with the poor family. <laughs> Yeah, She said he is a millionaire with four kids, whatever. But if they live in a mansion, there is more than five bedrooms. The master bedroom and then the four kids. Like, we can let me live there. I would also be pissed (laughs) if I was the adopted sister from Vietnam. (laughs) Like, fuck you, Karen. If you love me so much, buy me a new outfit from Babies R Us. You don't need to name a rat after me. Well, her parents can do that because her dad is a millionaire. And she's only two. I'm side-eyeing the parents who allowed Karen to get a rat and name her after her sister. Like, that (laughs) might be a conversation where, like, oh, that's really sweet, but let's pick a different name. It doesn't need to be Emily Jr. Yeah. And... 
she is adopted. So now when she starts to get a little bit older and she's like, am I a part of this family or not? Well, your sister has a rat named after you. So welcome to the family. Right. And she's adopted from Vietnam. So I imagine her birth name was not Emily. So then as she's discovering her own identity, she's like, oh, so you named me Emily and then allowed my sister to name her rat that too. Yeah. Cool. There's a lot of parenting hiccups in this 96 page book. You think? <laughs> you don't get to be Karen by like hands-on, super supportive parenting. Oh, well, I'll tell true. you that. But this was the point where you texted me and said, this is so much information and you were really <laughs> fighting your urge to just skip it. Can mm-hmm. I tell you that this chapter, almost word for word, is in every single book? Uh. Literally chapter two of every single Babysitter's Little Sisters Club is Karen outlining her family and giving the custody arrangement. This girl needs to be in therapy because she is very fixated on this big house and little house situation. (laughs) That is so crazy that you said that because I famously have never read a Babysitter's Club book before, but the girls of Stuck in Stony Brook Babysitter's Club podcast, they had me on to read my first one. And chapter two of that was almost the same thing. Like they break down when each girl joined the club, what their position is in the club, whatever. I felt like I was reading the Bible. It's just all names and how they're related to the story. I guess they do that because they want you to be able to jump around. But by the end, I was a good enough reader that I could read by myself. So I guess the subscription service worked. Mm. But in the beginning, I remember I would read with my mom and my dad. And it got to the point where like the three of us decided like, okay, we're just skipping chapter two, right? Like we get the lay of the land. We get it. Why not a prologue? So if you hadn't read it yet, you can read about all this and then you get into the story. Putting it as chapter two every single time is odd. Maybe it's like a repetition thing to teach kids how to read, Mm. but certainly like a drawing of a family tree after the like dedication page would suffice. Yeah. But I do want to talk about this divorce because I want to know the tea about Karen's parents, it's clearly a very contentious divorce because her mom waits in the car (laughs) when they get dropped off at the big house. Like they are not walking to the door. They are not talking. She is waving and zooming off like two beeps, fuck off and go. (laughs) Also, if daddy is a millionaire, why is mommy in a tiny home? Like what is the alimony situation? What's the child support I want to be a fly on the wall of their conversations co-parenting Karen. That's a great question because at the very least, Karen should be having the same lifestyle as daddy's other children. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the end of the story. That's the end of my sentence. And I mean, I know the 90s were a different time, but why isn't it a 50-50 custody? They live in the same town. It's not going to disrupt her school. She has the same friends from house to house. So what's the situation that she's only getting? Hold on. Let me refer back to what she specifically says every other weekend and two weeks a summer with her dad. I have no idea. But alas, that's not the tale we get in this story. (laughs) Instead, we are delighted by chapter after chapter of more moping from Karen, who still feels like a fugly, ugly troll, especially when her stepbrother, David Michael, calls her professor because of her glasses Mm -mm. and she loses two teeth in one day. 
All she wants is for someone to call her gorgeous. First of all, that is unprovoked. Like, Karen is upset nobody in her family, unprovoked, came up to her and said, hi, beautiful. <laughs> At which point I said to myself, is this like that Julia Stiles movie where she wants to fuck her parents? Because why? You go out of your way. That movie and the movie where Lindsay Lohan chops off her own foot or whatever. You go out of your way to reference No, those. because when she said, I was so sad no one came up to me in my house and said hi beautiful like you greet each other like that this is from someone who used to spank his mom and sister and and we we didn't greet each other like that hi beautiful she wanted to show up to the big house and have david michael be like hey sexy lady our parents died in a blizzard i'm here to take carrie up but I did want to talk about me before I talk more about Karen. When I was little, I lost one of my baby teeth early so that I had a space for a long ass time until the adult tooth came in. Mm. And I remember being babysat by my grandma. She owned a candy store that was connected to the house. So she was working. I was like four years old in the house part. And I remember just biting the end table. Ugh. I did it so hard that I lost my tooth. You curb stomped yourself. Yeah, well, that's what I remember. My grandma says I fell, which makes a tad more sense. But she was working, so maybe she was wrong. And when I told her I bit the table, she just thought, like, who would do that? Oh, my dead tooth is <laughs> threatening me. I'm shocked I didn't have a dead tooth. Yeah, it must have been so early that you didn't even have the big tooth, like, in the gum yet Mm, have i told you about when i was playing soccer and i scored a goal but like as i was shooting my knee came up and the goalie came forward and her tooth got stuck in my knee and i had to go to the hospital with her face attached no it came out of her mouth into my knee so she was bleeding i was bleeding and i had a tooth stuck in my knee i still have a scar (laughs) No, you never told me that. Is that the whole story or there's more? Well, I mean, that's pretty much the gist of it. But the (laughs) funniest part was there was a Jack Johnson concert that night that originally I was going to have to miss because of this soccer game. But because I got to leave the soccer game early and then it was like, here's a tetanus shot. Here's some Vicodin. Go on your way. I got to go to the Jack Johnson concert and I had a great time. (laughs) My knee was so swollen. It looked like I had elephantitis, but no, just a tooth. Oh, and the poor goalie. Number one, I scored on her. Number two, (laughs) she had high school senior portraits the next day. (gasps) So I don't think she made that Uh, appointment. Oh, poor thing. Mm hmm. Anywho, God. so Karen's... Well, re- wait, oh. no, no, oh. not yet. You say she feels like a fugly troll, but I wish she would have said that at least once because mm-hmm. instead we're told about 28 times that she feels like the ugly duckling. First of all, I needed to change her routine, Karen. I'm over it. And I only spent 15 pages with her. Imagine like how sick of hearing this her friends and family yeah. are. Yeah, she needs to get a thesaurus or something. Yeah, something. But I also need her to read the whole story because if she is the ugly duckling the ugly duckling turns into a swan at the end Mm. so what is the issue i don't know if being a swan is in karen's future (laughs) well me neither but then that's why you need to call yourself (laughs) the troll under the bridge start charging a toll (laughs) become an entrepreneur (laughs) there are other assets you can bring to this table besides looks and beauty i know because you're gonna need to figure it out one Last thing, I promise this is the last thing before Mm -hmm. we move on. Karen loses two, count them, two teeth. And her gift from the tooth fairy is one hair barrette. And this, she lost her tooth when she was at the rich parent's house. 
I would <laughs> pretend I was playing that game with dead parents. I would turn the gas on and blow that house up. <laughs> if I got one hair barrette for two lost teeth and I was staying in the mansion. You know the next time Karen loses a tooth at the little house, they're going to be like giving her a $20 bill just to spite oh, daddy. Oh, yeah. Like, wow, <laughs> he's late on his child support and he gave you a barrette? That's all right. The tooth fairy likes us better, Karen. <laughs> and if... A barrette is what you get for two teeth. What would have happened if she just lost one? Half a barrette. <laughs> oh, my God. Like my sock. Gotta wait for the other one. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't lose my first tooth till I was seven. Mm. So I only got a couple teeth in before I put it all together. You were an idiot. Why? Why would you tell that you knew? Because I was a know-it-all. So when I started putting it together about Santa Claus. Before Chelsea finishes... I hope that you don't listen with your kids, cuties. But if you do, pause this for a second. Yeah, that's the line. Well, no. Some people do say like, oh, my daughter was laughing at your comment this week. Like, how old is your daughter? And are you living the real life blizzard game? Well, when their daughter starts sneaking into the bathroom and they find the top of their plunger moist, they're going to turn it off. The daughter's like, can I go on the top row of the pirate ship? (laughs) When I started putting together the story of Santa Claus, I did think that my mom was going to tell me some like secret, like backstory, e true Hollywood story of Santa. Because I kept being like, yes, I want to know the real Santa Claus. But my mom told me in the middle of a grocery store that Santa was not real, which then made me have a full fucking meltdown because I was not ready to know the truth. (laughs) I came home. I was inconsolable. I went up to my room. And then like hours later, I came back down and I was like... But the Tooth Fairy and the Easter Bunny, they're real, right? And my parents had to, like, make a choice. Like, are we going <gasps> to rip off the Band-Aid? And they did. And I had only lost, like, two teeth by that point. Oh, no. So when Karen's friend, how are we going to say it? Hanny? That's how I was saying it in my mind. I think it's Hanny. For how we feel about her, it's Hanny. Yeah. Because <laughs> then I want to be like, Hanny, really? Like, that's the nickname we're going with? <laughs> what did Nicki Minaj say? This bitch who had a lot to say about me in the press. Yeah, that's how I feel about Hanny. Like, you're yeah. going to talk about Karen that way? Hanny? <laughs> It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Cuties, you know I cannot see a movie without pretending I'm in it, and now it's your turn. Have you ever tried to use the force when no one's looking, or thought about what superheroes would win in a fight? Then you'll want to stop what you're doing, (laughs) unless you're driving, and visit Sideshow.com. Your eyes do not deceive you. They have a life-size, impeccably detailed replica of the child from Star Wars The Mandalorian. Now, I don't mean to brag, but Sideshow did send me the child. I call him Baby Yoda. I have since learned that is not his name, but he is my son now, so I will be continuing to call him as such. And we have been playing dress up, having photo shoots, and just having a grand old time. But if that one doesn't speak to you, how about a movie-accurate statue of Christopher Reeve as Superman? They got that too. But just wait until you see the incredibly lifelike figures of Robert Downey Jr. as 
Iron Man. We are thrilled to have Sideshow sponsoring our podcast today. They offer a wide selection of premium figures, statues, and fine art from the worlds of Star Wars, DC, Marvel, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, and so much more. These limited edition, handcrafted, officially licensed collectibles bring pop culture's biggest icons to life in your home. And here is the best part. You can get an exclusive $50 off your first order of $200 or more. It's a great opportunity for new customers to dive into the world of high-quality collectibles. Or you can gift it to that super geek in your life. Perhaps that person in your life that you know would cringe when they hear that I've been letting my daughter sleep with my baby Yoda. And again, that I refuse to stop calling it Baby Yoda. Plus, shopping at Sideshow earns you 5% back in Sideshow rewards, meaning for every $100 spent, you get $5 back in rewards that can be used on future purchases. While geeking out is its own reward, your collection goes farther with Sideshow. So, what are you waiting for? Visit Sideshow.com, promo code CUTE1, right now, and get ready to let your geek side show. Oh, that's clever. Sideshow. Like Sideshow.com? I get it. So when Karen's friend Hanny suggests she goes to the beauty parlor to get a new look, that's just what Karen does. But tragedy strikes. Despite its elegant signage and neon pink decor, it turns out that Gloriana's house of hair is nothing but a house of lies. And Gloriana herself is nothing but a fraud with chunky highlights. (laughs) And this beauty school dropout takes advantage of the seven-year-old in her chair because Gloriana (laughs) waits for Karen's mom to be preoccupied and then pulls an Edward Scissorhands and goes to town. And the chapter (laughs) ends with the following passage. I wanted mommy, but by the time mommy and Andrew came back, Gloriana was finished with my hair. It was not the cut I had asked for. I was practically bald. <laughs> like, take notes, R.L. Stein. This is how you do a cliffhanger because Gloriana fucked this girl's hair up. When I turned the page and saw it, I screamed. She had the original Karen haircut. My God, it was an awful haircut. (laughs) However, she did this to herself because she picked the place. She should have looked on Yelp to see if other people complained that Gloriana got a little creative when she has scissors in her hands. That's on her. (laughs) But even besides that, the haircut that Karen wanted, the haircut Karen chose, the haircut she envisioned on her head was shoulder length hair with bangs in the front. Like that was her big makeover to look like Dora the Explorer. Well, I think that speaks to her fragile state at the time. Karen's (laughs) going through it. She has rabbit teeth. She has new glasses. She wanted something that would make her feel edgy, but was still able to be recognized on Nickelodeon. (laughs) Gloriana is an old evil hag. What part of looking at poor Karen Brewer would tell somebody, you know what, this is a girl who can handle an edgy haircut right now. Karen gave her a reference photo. It wasn't like she said like, hey, do whatever you want. She handed her the Dora the Explorer haircut and Gloriana straight up said, well, this haircut is really in right now. Like she did that shit on purpose. And if I were Karen's mom, I would have fought her, physically fought her. I would have demanded to get the money back and then done something else with it. There would have been a chapter in this book about how me and Karen went to get ice cream with Mm -hmm. the money that was refunded. And I guess my daughters aren't old enough yet to, well, 
My one daughter, her first haircut, she did end up looking like Lord Farquaad. She loved it. <laughs> and she wanted that haircut. She wanted the Karen original. Like Karen wanted the Lord Farquaad and <laughs> yeah. so did my oldest daughter. So she loved it. So I loved it for her, even though I hated it. My youngest daughter recently is super into Spider-Man. She wanted the Gwen Stacy. So we shaved half her head. She loves it. I don't particularly love it, but like she feels so confident and cool. Oh, I do love it on You her. do? Yeah. And I was very nervous when you told me about it. I was nervous. Yeah. Then I saw the photo and I love it. I mean, my daughter is not to brag, but so fucking cute. They could pull well, off that anything. helps. Yeah, that helps that they are so cute. But also, I think because one side is still long. Yeah, I knew we made the right decision halfway through the haircut when she was just like so pumped and proud. It was very sweet. So I haven't experienced my daughter's hating a haircut yet. Mm. And so I guess there is an element of like, you don't want to make it a huge deal because you want to teach them outer beauty isn't the most important thing. But I feel like there could have been some validation on Karen's mom's part because all we hear from Karen of what her mom says is like, well, hair grows. It's like, bitch, I have a mullet. No, that's not all we hear, but I'm going to wait until we talk about the name change. But the mom certainly doesn't support her in ways that she needs to be supported. And I will say, this is not a typical kids book where the message is like, it's not as bad as you think it is, or like, you can rock it. Like, I want to stress the rest of the book explicitly states over and over and over again how bad this haircut is. And again, I encourage everybody Google Karen's haircut <laughs> original cover right now because she straight up looks like the child from Stuart Little. From the glasses <laughs> to the spiky bangs, all she needs is a little rodent brother. Jonathan Lipnicki. Yeah, I don't know what the message of this book is because yeah, there's no growth happening besides her hair eventually starts to grow. But then even like at the very end we get a little twist that I don't know what the moral of this book is, but throughout, I was like, what is a child supposed to learn from this? Well, it's a very subtle message and we'll get to it. There is like subtle growth and confidence. If this is a book intended for first graders, you kind of want to be hit over the head with the message, but they really spend a lot of time talking about her insecurities to the point where, like I said, I've been buying these books in paperback and I'm also, you know, a little woo woo with my girls. Now I am their mother, so I'm certainly fucking them up in ways that I can't even fathom or imagine right now. But it got to the point where I was like, I actually don't know if I want my daughters Mm. reading this just because the first two thirds of the book is almost like planting ideas of self-hate and pointing out specific ways that she disliked herself. And I didn't think there was enough payoff at the end of her really liking herself. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think you should ban this book. (laughs) So the next day at school, Karen's hair is the talk of the town. Fifth graders are pointing at her. Her bully, Yicky Ricky, compares her to the bride of Frankenstein. And worst of all, Hanny tells her that she can no longer be a bridesmaid in her upcoming schoolyard wedding because of how hideous she is now. This haircut is officially ruining Karen's life. You know that I do not mind bullies. I love Leah Michelle. I didn't like Demi Lovato until they punched that backup dancer in the face. Like, I don't mind a good bully. However, if you're gonna bully, you need to be a good bully because the Bride of Frankenstein's hair goes up like two feet, like the mom from The Simpsons. So why are we calling this little bald-headed scallywag the Bride of Frankenstein. <laughs> it made me so mad. Yeah, can we workshop this? Yiki yeah, Wiki? Uncle Fester, they should have called her. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Donnie's going to come in for career day and be like, and this is how you really bully kids. 
deliver a TED Talk, a masterclass. Oh, my God. But Karen Brewer ain't no quitter. And after a pep talk with Emily Jr., her rat, and her stuffed cat, <laughs> Goosey, Karen decides that if she can't be beautiful on the outside, she will be beautiful on the inside. She stops navel-gazing, quits caring what other people think, and commits herself to a life of helping others. Just kidding. She decides Karen represents her life as an ugly duckling and decides to change it to reflect the beautiful swan she hopes to become. And while names like Katie and Sarah were pretty, she wants a beautiful name, like Tiffany, spelled with an I-E, of course. I need to read an excerpt because her mother needs to be boiled alive. This is the excerpt. (laughs) Seth said, why do you need a new name? I need to pretend I'm beautiful, I replied. Okay, agreed Mommy and Seth and Andrew. I need to pretend I'm beautiful. Okay. Okay. That is when the mom really lost me. Like, there were a few parenting red flags up until now, but when she said, I need to pretend I'm beautiful, and the mom said, yeah, you're right. Well, no wonder she just wants to be called gorgeous or beautiful. She's literally begging for it. (laughs) And her mom's like, yeah, you're right, you uggo. You look like your dad, you skank. (laughs) I was shocked when I read that. Yeah, that's egregious Mm -hmm. so after painting her nails a glamorous gold tiffany tatiana brewer calls up (laughs) hanny hopeful to earn back her bridesmaid spot with her new lovely lovely lady persona However, it turns out Hanny is a cold-hearted pridezilla bitch. She tells Karen it doesn't matter how glamorous her new name is. She's still an ugly troll with a bob who is not invited to her wedding. (laughs) Now, listen, I know I just said I love a good bully, but Hanny really got on my last nerve, and I don't know why. I was hoping it would take a Harriet the Spy turn, and the rest of the book was just Karen finding ways to ruin Hanny's life, but it didn't, unfortunately. But let's add Harriet the Spy to our list. Yeah, I can't believe I'm saying this, but Hanny made me really root for Karen in a way that I don't remember ever rooting for Karen. Like, Hanny is the villain, and she deserves everything that comes to her. More so, I think. Donnie's planning that grand finale of the game he played with his sister. It's like, we can make an exception. Let's kill Hanny this time, not the parents. So Tiffany ups the ante and changes her name again, this time to Crystal Carlotta Brewer. Crystal with a K, of course. Now, here's the thing. Crystal with a K is a white trash name. Karen has money, and I don't know why she would do this to herself. But she's raised in the little house. I don't know. Maybe it's just a sociopath in me and social climber. I don't care if I was raised in the little house. Having that big house so close in my grasp, I would make sure I was the only name on that will, and then everyone would end up mysteriously dead. Christy who? Well, I mean, what I'm about to say doesn't help with the picture you're painting about oh, crystals. God. So Crystal wears rings, bracelets, necklaces, <laughs> anklets, and she comes to school with a few tricks up her sleeves. Smoking, cigarettes. And a tramp stamp. <laughs> Lipstick, blush, and six barrettes. She also comes ready with some sick burns. Today, when Yicky Ricky tries it, she tells him that he looks like an owl and gets the whole class to literally start hooting. <laughs> and the bird-inspired psychological warfare works because moving forward, Ricky is the only person in her class that keeps up with her ever-changing name and persona, Giselle, Desiree, and of course, Chantel Chantilly Brewer. <laughs> now, I was proud of her for coming after Yicky Ricky. However, when she came dressed like this, there was a photo in our book. <laughs> Patreon cuties, if you get the video, you will see this. This was it. And you'll see I wrote... <laughs> 
Karen is going through it. Yeah. So despite the fact that Hanny is still being a see you next Tuesday, Karen, (laughs) a.k.a. Chantel, finally takes a long, hard look in the mirror. Like, literally. If the Joker-inspired lipstick didn't make it clear, (laughs) she has been avoiding her reflection since the hairpocalypse. But when she finally takes a gander, she realizes she's not looking too shabby. Her mullet is growing out, her teeth are growing in, and even fifth graders are noticing her new big dick energy and copying her look. As the philosopher Taylor Swift once said, karma is a cat purring in my lap because my, 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 how the tables turn. After crashing her bike, Hanny loses her two front teeth and decides she is too hideous to move forward in marrying Scott. I was thrilled at this part. She put this punishment on herself. She said, like, I can't see Scott. I'm too ugly for this. But I needed him to look at her and say, yes, you're right. And then in the middle of a school assembly, take the mic and call her JoJo the dog face girl. Because <laughs> I, <laughs> I want to see Hanny burn. <laughs> this, just losing her two front teeth is not enough. You called for the murder of, well, mostly Hanny, but like <laughs> in very specific ways. You really were thinking about it this episode. No, also her mom. Is JoJo the dog faced person is Uh that a reference i should know or did that just come to your mind um no my dad always said it judge all the dog face boy is what he called me (laughs) so (laughs) hopefully it's not like based in any problematic lore well okay (laughs) well this is ignorant i wasn't pausing because of that i was pausing at the cycle of abuse (laughs) before my eyes of now you encouraging hanny to use that phrase that's been used on you no i want scott to use it against hanny Mm. oh Jojo the Dogface Boy was a song made by Disney Mouseketeer Annette Funicello. Huh. It was on the Mickey Mouse Club. Herstory. <laughs> the song references a sideshow entertainer, best known as Jojo the Dogface Man, who suffered from hypertrichiosis, where you have an abnormal amount of hair all over your body. <laughs> so that's what my father called me when I was in elementary school. <laughs> Okay, well, now that we know how specifically your father was dragging you for filth. Anyway, that's all. Yeah, what else? Okay, well, Scott does basically call her JoJo the hairy man or whatever because he doesn't Mm -hmm. say she's not ugly. He comes over to her house and says, hey, I'm not marrying you for your face. And basically, he's like, I don't care if you've been beaten with the ugly stick several times. I want to move forward with these nuptials. And this is where I realize Scott will come out of the closet in nine years. Because what seven-year-old boy would speak like this? What seven-year-old boy is, like, really excited for a wedding on a playground? Well, that's part of it, too. <laughs> but this does finally get Hanny to have an aha moment. So she tells Karen... Hey, listen, I hate your hair. I hate your teeth. I hate your glasses. I hate your face. But I still like you. And I want you to be in my wedding. How sweet. Yeah, this is the first mistake of the end of the book. Because Karen says yes to being a bridesmaid. Like, love yourself. Yeah, like, she finally has the realization, like, oh, I'm happy with myself. I'm going to stop putting makeup on my face like I'm that office lady on the Drew Carey show. Like, I'm going (laughs) to love my 
balding hair. I'm going to love my body hair like Jojo, the dog-faced boy. Like, I'm going to just accept myself fully. And then the moment her friend is like, (laughs) hey, you ugly bitch, come be in my wedding. Karen is, and I'll give her this, the first wedding you're invited to be a bridesmaid in, it is really exciting. (laughs) She needs about three or four under her belt. She needs, like, a couple bachelorette parties where bridesmaids are fighting. She needs a couple of really (laughs) awkward bridal brunches, a couple of tea-length dresses. And then she's going to say, no, yeah, thank you. Oh, true. sorry. I'd love to come, but I don't have the <laughs> bandwidth right now. Did kids play wedding when you were growing mm-hmm. up? Yeah. I never was the bride, but I would often round up the criers. What's that? Oh, is that not a universal experience? <laughs> you would round up people to participate in the wedding and like be so moved they'd cry. So I would always like scout the future theater kids to be like okay can you come Taylor's marrying Tommy at recess we need some people that are going to be the criers that are like so happy to be there so moved by love oh wow and then you got possessed and chugged yeah and then I was like "Ah, ah, ah." (laughs) I did a lot of the officiating because I like to Mm, you know emcee an event yeah I had a wedding at camp but I was like 12 years old I was too old for this behavior who'd you marry the pottery lady No, I married this girl named She was very nice to me. And I think she's my only camp friend that I follow on Instagram. Now, I think I have her muted, but. Hopefully she doesn't listen to this podcast. (laughs) Did you ever get it annulled? Because that could be really awkward for you and Quinn. (laughs) I should look into that. No, I didn't. But we had a Titanic. (laughs) We had a Titanic. Not a ride. I guess it was a sliding board. A Titanic sliding board in our camp. Yeah. And it was like half. Was it modeled off of the Titanic or is that what the kids called it? No, it was modeled after the Titanic. It was like a boat halfway coming out of the ground and you slid down it. Like you took the ladder up and then slid down. (laughs) But we got married on it. (laughs) Our boat wedding. How romantic. Was James Cameron there? (laughs) The day of (laughs) 9-11. Yeah, so that's my wedding. Beautiful. (laughs) So it's the big day. It's Hanny and Scott's wedding, and it is the event of the season. Hanny walks down the aisle to take me out to the ball game. Karen's <laughs> stepbrother officiates. Rings from the local dentist office are exchanged, and seemingly everyone from the neighborhood shows up to watch the bride and groom refuse to kiss, including adults, which is weird. It's weird that adults did, and it's also weird that Christy was there. <laughs> it's not a real wedding no matter what, so it would be weird even if it was Karen's wedding, but... It's Karen's best friend's fake wedding. So, like, why is the president of the Babysitter's Club there? And it didn't even make note to say, like, oh, Christy was babysitting six kids that were in the wedding, so she brought them and stayed. Like, no, she just came to watch the wedding. Doesn't this homely butch have anything better to do than to go to a fake wedding? Is Christy Homely and butch. (laughs) Oh, I always assumed Christy was like Miss Popular because she was the president of the club. Well, people tell me that I'm the Christy. So take that for what it is. Okay. Except for the baseball. I'm Christy personality wise. Like she's a know-it-all. Insufferable. Bossy. Terrible. Uh Uh-huh. It was her idea to have the babysitter's club. Yeah, she would be encouraging the potato sack race in the Poconos. (laughs) For 
for sure. Yes. yes. But she plays baseball also. So mm. like all the bad things. And this makes me want to talk to our friends who have the Babysitter's Club podcast uh-huh. stuck in Stony Brook because they know the ins and outs of the Babysitter's Club because I want to know like how deep does this go? And is there a book that came out the same time as Karen's haircut where there's like a throwaway like <gasps> Christy was babysitting and this little girl had a wedding. Oh. I have a feeling just because of the universe that was created and the purpose of this book. Yeah. Because she does a really specific job of naming people who were at the wedding who I know just by how they're referenced that if I read the Babysitter's Club book, all of these names would like mean something to me. That's true. Yeah. I didn't even think of that. But why were the parents there? It's all weird behavior. Yeah. So love is in the air. This wedding inspires many because our book ends with Karen's number one bully, Yicky Ricky, proposing to her and she accepts. I truly don't know what the moral of this story is. This is just such the 90s mentality of, oh, if he likes you, he's going to be mean to you. Mm -hmm. And it's just like setting up an entire generation of girls to be like, oh, I can be treated like shit because that means he loves me. Yeah, it was just body image issues and... Letting men take advantage of you. And toxic friendships. Yeah. This is an awful book. Yeah. Hanny invites her to be in the wedding, but there wasn't really like a, oh my God, I will never do this again. I was such an asshole. It was just kind of like, oh, I'm ugly now too. I get it. We're both ugly. Can you be in my wedding now that we're appropriately ugly together? (laughs) Or it's like, I'm ugly now, so I need the real uggo next to me so that everybody (laughs) thinks I'm pretty. Terrible book. It is. Awful. Anywho. (laughs) So final thoughts. Who would you cast in a movie version of this book? So I don't know little girl actresses enough, so I didn't even try. I'll just cast a new girl. We'll hold a casting call for her. But the girl in Matilda that gets spun around (gasps) by her pigtails, like that type. I have her as Hanny. (laughs) Do you? Oh, no, wait. Is she the girl with the glasses? No. Okay, I had the girl with the glasses as Hanny. Oh, yeah, okay. she would be Sorry. good. Oh, my God, we were so close. Yeah, so far. <laughs> yeah, so she, I'll hold a casting call, but that type. And then for Gloriana, I want Kate McKinnon. <gasps> Yeah. But like as weird Barbie. Love that. Yeah. So I said for Karen, I want Abigail Breslin, but like from her Little Miss Sunshine era. yeah. For Christy, and this was before I knew who Christy is, Mm. but I said Uh Maude Apatow. Mm, Okay. I still think she could kind of play it. Yeah. I was going for like nerdy hot girl because anybody who starts a club, extracurricular activities, it's like, oh, you're not at the parties, you're babysitting. (laughs) Yicky Ricky was David Henry, who was the brother in Wizards of Waverly Place. Uh Uh-huh. But again, that era. The mom, I said June Diane Raphael and the dad, Mm. John Hamm, because I want this movie to be about the parents with Karen as the backdrop. Like, I want mom and dad navigating a messy divorce and them co-parenting their nerdy weirdo child. I love that. So final, final thoughts. What aged well about this book and what aged like Borders? So Borders... Everything that we've already said. The toxic friendship, the image issues, and no real moral of any of those things. Like, it's just like, this is life. Get with it. Mm -hmm. But in terms of what aged well, this isn't even the story itself. But I do like that Anne M. Martin is 
trying to find new audiences. Like that ugly cover with the ugly drawings from the 90s is not the one you buy now. Mm -hmm. Like now they're all like cartoony and looks like Sunday morning cartoons, whatever. But then there's also a graphic novel. So I do like that she's trying to find new audiences. I just wish that in doing so, she rewrote it a little bit. So next week we will be back with the face on the milk carton, which cuties are excited for me too i read it and don't remember it but there's like five books okay so it's quite a story did you ever read it i feel like i did and i think i'm going to because i haven't started reading it yet i think i'm either going to immediately remember it or realize that i didn't read it it Mm. definitely was on my radar and this book is one that when we first started putting feelers out of like, hey, what books from our past should we cover? This one was like, ding, 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 like all over oh, yeah, the everybody. cuties radar. So I'm excited. Me too. Well, with that, we'll <laughs> see you next week and we will talk to you later. Love, Love you like a sister. sister. Thank you for listening to I Am The Cute One, a nostalgia podcast. If you liked what you heard, be sure to give us a five-star rating and subscribe to our show. You can follow me at Real Donnywood on Instagram and TikTok. And if you want more of my personal brand of chaos, check me out at Ono Chels on Instagram. And for uncut, unedited, and unhinged video and audio footage of current episodes of I Am The Cute One, head to patreon.com slash IamTheCuteOne. And go to IamTheCuteOne.com for the most chaotic merch on the planet. Talk Talk to to you later. later. Love you like a sister. sister. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.